I'm Amy West with Allen and Amy West Farms in Lubbock, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the 2023 Farm Bill debate is well underway now, and while there are some disagreements on what direction we should take in our farm policy, one thing that most agree on is that we need to protect crop insurance. One Texas crop insurance agent made the trek to Washington, D.C. last week to deliver that message. We'll have that story coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Carrie Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. It's been a tough season for Texas High Plains corn. And for some farmers, that might mean cutting the season short. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The U.S. Grains Council continues the promotion of corn to the number three buyer of United States corn. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have the story of what is being done to get more U.S. corn into Japan on Texas Ag Today. It's an excessive summer in Texas. Please join me, John Begno, as we talk about how plants are managing. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The 2023 Farm Bill debate is underway, and while we see many disagreements on the direction our farm policy should take, protecting and strengthening crop insurance seems to be something most can agree on. The House Agriculture Committee held a hearing on crop insurance last week, and Memphis, Texas crop insurance agent Kathy Fowler was invited to testify. Fowler told the committee crop insurance is vital to Texas agriculture, and the stakes have never been higher. I talk about trade wars, the pandemic, inflation, and other very real challenges. But what is far more real to me is when I sit down across from my desk and talk to a young farmer who is distraught about the drought situation that we are incurring today and how do I figure out how to make a crop. Farmers and ranchers all across the regions consistently say we couldn't do without crop insurance. And Fowler says the crop insurance program has a solid track record. We now insure 130 crops. The acres insured have risen from 200 million to 450 million acres. And the total protection has shot up from 35 billion to 200 billion. With this growth, our performance has remained consistent. The average loss ratio is well under the statutory requirement of 1.0 actually meaning that this process and program is actuarially sound. Kathy Fowler, owner of Fowler Crop Insurance in Memphis, Texas. 
The nation's cattle herd continues to shrink. The biannual cattle inventory report released on Friday shows a 2% reduction in the herd compared to July of last year. USDA livestock analyst Shale Shagum looks at some of the numbers in the inventory report. The number of cattle uh, in the United States on July 1st was estimated 28.8 million head, which was down about 2% from a year ago. The number of uh, cows and heifers that calved was at 39.8%, which was down 2% from a year ago. Uh, That is comprised of 30.4 million head of beef cows, which was down 2.4%, and 94.5 million head of milk cows, which was down one half of a percent. And the numbers point to even more herd reduction coming. The number of heifers retained for breeding is taking an even bigger drop. In the case of beef cows, uh, 4.15 million head of heifers are retained, which was down 3.5% from a year ago. The overall calf crop for 2022 is estimated at 34.6 million head. That's down 1.4% from last year. It's been a tough season for Texas High Plains corn, and James Hunt tells us that may mean cutting the season short this year. With a few weeks to go before the time when harvest typically begins, here's how David Gibson of Texas Corn Producer sums up the Texas High Plains corn season so far. Generally speaking, James, we're struggling due to the high temperatures, uh, lack of rainfall in general. Some parts of the North Plains where there has been some spotty rains have really had a lot of hail damage. And you can add in some extremely windy days that have also taken a toll. If our forecast for this week holds up and our temperatures cool off a little and we get some rain, Gibson says that could help. But already some farmers are strategizing on ways to allocate their irrigation water for the remainder of the season, which possibly includes harvesting some acres early for silage instead of grain. It is an out for those producers to be able to gain some economic benefit out of what's in the field. And of course, at the end of the day, they've got to work with their uh, crop insurance folks and then adjusters to be sure that what they do can be quantified and put into place for possible crop insurance claims just due to the less production, maybe in a lot of cases, a lot less production than what was predicted for those fields. Gibson says the struggles of our area's corn are in keeping with what's happening with corn around the state as a whole. Normally, every year, some part of our state will have a good crop. This year, it's not that way. We've got a lot of areas making less than 50% of their normal APHs or normal yields. And that's so widespread that just those reduced yields are going to impact economically many, many of our farmers across the whole state. More from David Gibson tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A corn quality information session increased the confidence of Japanese corn buyers. Tom Nicoletti has the story. As Texas farmers are in various stages of corn harvest, with lower yields expected overall this year due to the summer drought, a half a world away promotion of U.S. corn has the attention of Japanese customers. To increase Japanese buyers' confidence in the quality of U.S. corn, the U.S. Grain Council's Japan office recently hosted a corn quality information exchange for feed corn stakeholders in the country. 
This virtual event, according to Tommy Hamamoto, USGC's director in Japan, quote, the annual meeting is important to keep the close and mutually reliable relationship in corn trade and keep Japan as a stable buyer of U.S. corn, consistently purchasing more than 10 million metric tons or 394 million bushels annually. U.S. organizations involved in the meeting include the U.S. Grains Council and the North American Export Grains Association, in addition to several industry association representatives in Japan who participated in the meeting at which uh, attendees learned more about topics including the chemical and physical characteristics of recent U.S. corn, broken corn, and foreign materials, plus the weather and quality risks to this year's crop. The Federal Grain Inspection Service also provided the results of an export inspection. Japan is currently the number three buyer of United States corn in the 2021-2022 marketing year, purchasing 7,648,000 metric tons or 301 million bushels as of May of 2022. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. This is a very tough summer for horticulture here in Texas. San Angelo horticulturalist John Begno has an update on how plants are managing this summer. Well, plants are very important to us in Texas in summer, and this is a really good example. And there's some challenges for our plants, of course. When there's lack of rainfall, that natural water, then we have an issue with plants that can become weakened and can die. We also are seeing instances where urban environments are restricting water supplies and we may be having to make some choices on what we water. And then out in rural areas, we're actually seeing wells that are going dry and sometimes homesteads are having difficulty keeping plants alive. And so we kind of categorize things. We know that trees are our most important and our most valuable asset around landscapes. They also are around pens and land and livestock operations and so forth. So we want to do what we can to keep those alive. And of course, water in summer is the key. There's been a lot of research on drought management of trees. And we know that when we have an extended period of dry times, we do not get enough water to saturate or refresh the soil, be taken up and cool the plants. And they start doing some really weird things. So 21 days is a kind of magic number that we have thrown out there that if you don't get a drink at all, you start seeing drought responses. Drought responses on trees can be everything from leaves shedding because they're too hot or the roots are too dry or turning brown. In the case of bald cypress, that's a drought mechanism. They may not be dead, but they're going to turn brown so that they don't need any more water or waste any water. So all of these plants have drought mechanisms and some are much more hardy than others. Save your trees is rule number one. The next thing that becomes very important are those plants that cool the west side of the structure or home. That is really important because the transfer of heat increases the energy cost and you know what kind of energy crunch we're in in Texas right now. Ground covers and lawns, those things cool the atmosphere. They do help, but again, those are easily established. If you're challenged for with not enough water, those can be replaced easily. So do a little research. Make sure that your trees get watered at least once every two weeks, hopefully, in Texas. Reporting from San Angelo for Texas Ag Today, this is John Begno. Dove hunting season is just a few weeks away, and we have this year's forecast. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and that's coming up on Texas Ag Today. And does the type of food bowl you use for your pet make a difference? 
Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas youth can expect the best in life by holding themselves to the highest standards. And the Texas Farm Bureau can help students put together the pieces that make up a successful leader. Through our Student Success Series, students in 8th through 12th grade can learn more about leadership, networking, and personal professionalism. Registration for Student Success Series is open now. Find out more information at texasfarmbureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Does the type of food bowl you use for your pet matter? Dr. Bob Judd says it might. You may not think the material used for your pet's food bowl really makes a difference, but it could. The type material can affect the quantity and species of bacteria as a study in England examined the materials including plastic, ceramic, and stainless steel. Plastic pet dishes contain the most bacteria. Surprisingly, ceramic dishes contain the most disease-producing bacteria, including E. coli, salmonella, and methicillin-resistant staph, or MRSA. Plastic is not suitable for young animals that routinely chew on the bowl, as the sharp edges formed by chewing can not only harbor bacteria, but can damage the pet skin, leading to infection. Shannon Nowak indicates in today's veterinary nurse that some plastic bowls may contain a product called bisphenol, a chemical that can cause serious health problems in humans and potentially animals. Stainless steel is another option for bowls and is lightweight, durable, and affordable. Heavy chewers can dent or puncture stainless steel dishes, which could lead to oral trauma and damage to the teeth. If you are going to choose stainless steel bowls, buy a good quality, and that is grade 304 or 18-8. Lower quality can lead to contaminants in the feed, such as the radioactive material found in stainless steel bowls in 2012. Ceramic bowls are well-liked by pet owners, but some ceramic bowls can contain lead and cadmium, which can leach into the food and water and cause toxicity. Cracked ceramic bowls should not be used, as this increases exposure to these chemicals. Lastly, glass bowls are good and easy to clean, but there's always a concern about glass breaking and causing injury. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Dove season is just a few weeks away. Jessica Domel has this year's dove forecast in today's wildlife report. The initial numbers are in, and it looks like dove numbers in the state this year will be about on par with what we've seen the last three or four years. Owen Fitzsimmons, Webless Migratory Game Bird Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, said numbers are a little bit below the long-term average. He said the good news is there are still a lot of doves out there. The big difference this year from last year is that a year ago today, less than 10% of the state was in any drought condition at all. And now we're looking at almost 100% drought condition with something like 60% in the what we would term extreme or exceptional drought. So uh, completely different weather patterns this year, completely different climate as far as hunting is concerned. So this year, water is going to be key. And I think the fact that we are so dry, birds are going to be a lot more concentrated and a lot easier to hunt, I think. So key in on those water holes and you'll have plenty of birds coming in. He said there are a lot of great areas in Texas for dove hunting. Some of those historic high harvest areas up in the Throckmorton area, Uvalde, Hondo, South Texas, the Rio Grande Valley. And it's no different this year. I think chances are good pretty much across the state. I'm not seeing any big discrepancy in numbers in any particular region. I think chances are good. And it really comes down to 
to finding water, I think, is the big key this year. Dove season in the north and central zones opens up September 1st. The south zone will open September 14th. This year's special white-winged dove days are September 2nd through the 4th and September 9th through the 11th. We've had some shortages of ammunition the past couple of years since COVID, so be sure to get your ammunition ahead of time is what I would suggest. Don't try to get it the day before. And the other thing is that it is really, really hot and dry, so if you do take your dog out, please be sure to, to bring plenty of water and shade for the dog and, and yourselves as well. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. The cattle market traded lower on Tuesday while cotton and grains climbed higher. We'll take a look at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. This is Jessica Domel with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I've spent my entire life involved in agriculture, so I know how stressful farming and ranching can be. Things like the economy, finances, and the weather increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. That's where the Texas AgriStress Helpline comes in. Write this number down, 833-897-2474. That is 833-897-2474. If you can't write it down right now, Just remember, you can go to farmlifehelp.com. That is farmlifehelp.com. Even the toughest people need help sometimes. Don't wait. Call today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw lower trade all day long on Tuesday in the cattle complex, both live and feeder cattle moving lower. August live cattle dropped 87 cents to close at 136.87, the October down 97, 142.37, while December live cattle were down 57 cents. 148.05. Feeder cattle seeing triple digit losses for the second day in a row. August feeders down $1.87, 177.42. September feeder cattle down 225 at 180.42, while October feeders were down 202. 183.22. Cash fed cattle market still quiet for the week. Feedlots asking 138 here in the South. Boxed beef was mixed Tuesday. Choice up at dollar sixty-six, two sixty-nine seventy-seven. Select down thirty cents at two forty-four seventy. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Here's your first glass of iced tea and a livestock market operator report. Let's uh, spin the wheel and choose the good folks at Lexington Livestock, Russell Heller and crew. They sell every Saturday. I talked to Russell Monday morning about that Saturday sale. Russell, how did it go? Yes, sir. I had a good sale, 1,690 total head with 336 cows. Walk the pins with us, please. All right. The thinner packer cows, 20 to 40. Better cows, 41 to 75. On the steering bull calves, 3 to 4 pounds, 120 to 210. 4 to 5 weights, 115 to 185. 5 to 6 weights, 110 to 175. Six to seven weights, a dollar five to one sixty-three. Seven to eight weights, a dollar to one fifty-four. On heifers, three to four pound heifers, one fifteen to one eighty-five. Four to five weights, one ten to one seventy-five. Five to six weights, a dollar five to one sixty. Six to seven weights, a dollar to one forty-five. Seven to eight weights, ninety-five to one thirty-seven. Good. How many total head did you have? Sixteen ninety. How many of them were cows? 
336. 336. What do you anticipate for this next Saturday, Russell Heller? Uh, yes, sir. I know one man's going to have 75 good black and black body knife cut steer and heifer calves. Uh, another one's going to have about 25 Charlotte calves. What will the first set weigh? They're going to weigh probably 450 to 750. And the second set, the Charlets? Charlets will weigh 5 to 6. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Russell. Sure, you can get me on my cell, and that number is 979-820-7002. We appreciate you, and we'll talk with you on uh, Friday for that next Saturday sale. Sounds good. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you, Russell. Now, remember, Russell, when you need to sell cattle in that part of the country on a Saturday, that's Lexington Livestock Commission Company, and we're walking the pens, part of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. Neighbor, good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs. Finished lower on Tuesday. August hogs down 25 cents, 116.97. The October down 47 at 93.65. Class 3 milk was mixed. Nearby July milk down a nickel, 22.49 a hundredweight. While August milk was up 45 cents, 21.15 a hundred. Cotton market sharply higher as traders finally seem to be getting the fact that we've got a tough-looking cotton crop here in Texas. Those cotton condition ratings that come out each week continue to drop. And, of course, with us growing half of the nation's cotton crop here in Texas, it is definitely affecting the cotton market. Strongly higher prices on Tuesday, October up 217 points, 9969 December cotton up 342 points at 94.48. Corn and wheat both sharply higher. Corn getting a boost from a drop in those weekly USDA crop ratings. The nation's good to excellent corn crop rating fell from 64% last week to 61% this week. That helped out prices with September corn up 17 cents, 5.97 a bushel. December corn up 17 cents at $6 and three quarters of a cent. The wheat market sharply higher for the second day in a row following that weekend attack on one of Ukraine's export ports. Russia, of course, initially agreed to let Ukraine start exporting grain. However, they followed up that agreement with an attack on the Odessa port, one of Ukraine's three main export ports. September Kansas City wheat up 37 and a quarter, closing at 877 a bushel. September Chicago wheat up 33 and three quarters, 803 and three quarters. In the energy markets, August natural gas was up 10 cents, 883. September crude oil down $1.64, 9506 a barrel. The financial markets were lower on Tuesday afternoon. The Dow down 232 points, 31,757. The Nasdaq down 229 at 11,552. The S&P down 48 points, 3,918. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this great estate on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.